Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Probably Does not. Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos <coughs> get here anyway? <coughs> Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Here we go, here we go. Buongiorno. What's up? Um, not the temperatures. It's fucking cold. Actually, I like it. Actually, they are. It is going to be warmer today. Is it going to be? It's going to be almost 50 degrees. Right now. Yeah. That's good. Yep. That makes me happy. I fucking hate the cold, man. Me too. The, the older I get, the more I hate it. Yeah, but you know what? The older I get, the more I hate the hot, too. Like, I always used to be like, I, I'll take the dead of summer over the dead of winter, and eat the, but I don't feel that way yeah, anymore. Yeah, I know what you mean. The summer is brutal, man. I was thinking about that the other day. I was thinking... um, it's about time for the spring and the summer to come back. And I was thinking back on last summer when uh, I want to spend, like, more time outside. Mm-hmm. Because where we live, spring and summer are pretty short. Like, when it's reasonable to be it. outside, it's a pretty short stretch. Winter is basically nine months long. And uh, so I want to spend some time outside. And last year it was, like, we're playing cornhole. We just go outside and, like, stand in the sun and drink a beer and play cornhole. And uh, I remember that, and I was thinking to myself, man, I can't wait to be able to do that again. And then my very second thought afterwards was how hot it was to stand there in the yeah. sun, you know? Yeah, you got to find some shade. That's a uh, key. Otherwise. Shade is key, yeah. Or a little little fan action, you know, get, get the air moving a little bit. Pay the, pay All the key. Pay the kids to, to fan us with those, like, you know, like a, if you ever see those ancient Egyptian, uh, like, carvings yeah. where they have those giant fans that they're fanning the pharaoh yeah. it's going to pay my children to fan me and the wife while we're playing cornhole how much do you have to pay your kids to do that good question I guess it depends on how long we're playing cornhole I think that your kids are kind of like your slaves so <laughs> yeah you know yep and uh, they don't understand the value of money and uh, your brains aren't fully developed so this is the time to take advantage exactly I could probably pay them in dum-dums oh true you know yep. I'll give you I'll give you a bite size Snickers. If you have, if you you could probably get away with doing something like even less valuable than that. You know, if you got like a deck of playing cards. Yeah. You know, like I'll give like, you here's the ace of spades. I'll give you three rubber bands, <laughs> not just one, three. Hell yeah. Well, there you go. Now you know what you're how you're staying cool this summer. You ever uh, you ever build a um, a gun to shoot rubber bands with using a. Like a, uh, a clothespin? Clothespin, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I was looking for. Remember that? I couldn't even think of the word clothespin. It's been so long since I used one. Yeah. I just throw it all in the dryer, you know? A clothespin is an old-fashioned word, man. Yeah. It's an old-fashioned word. I don't think I don't think the kids even know what it means. You don't see people hanging up clothes that often, you know? I guess it's... I good. mean, outside of West Virginia, no, you don't. You think that's common in West Virginia? I like to think it is. What is that? I like to think West what Virginia... What are you implying... 
that they're backwards and that they haven't figured out technology oh, man, yet. I like the idea of hanging your laundry out to dry. My great grandmother did. Yeah. And you ever like sleep in sheets that were dried in the sun? No. They're well, amazing. I mean, I probably have, but I don't remember because my parent, my mom used to do that. It smells like nature, man. It's amazing. Yeah. You can smell. Um, you can smell the sun rays. I know that there's a difference in the way that a towel feels when it's been dried. It's like rough. It's kind of nice. It like it's like abrasive. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It gets a little harder. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what that's about. I don't either. This is a weird thing to talk be talking about. It is a weird thing. <laughs> uh, I was going to tell you. Oh, when I, I was in, uh, I was on the East Coast. I was in Boston, yeah. and uh, in February. And it was like sixty something degrees. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, it was strange. Nice. Last last few times I've been there, the weather was this same time of year. The weather was completely opposite. It was you'd expect it to be opposite. <coughs> yeah, it's in Boston. February. Yeah. Yep. Uh, only time I went to Boston was for my grandfather's funeral, which was man a long time ago. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and. The weather was awful. It was a bl- it was literally a blizzard. We our flight got canceled for like three days. Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. That's what happened the last two times I was there. Flights got canceled on the way back, and yeah. uh, the drive home was ten hours long. You drove? Drove, yeah. Damn. Yeah, got responsibilities. Fuck. I got responsibilities back on the homestead. I can't can't wait for the airplanes to be able to fly. Yeah, you know, got to put on my snowshoes and get going. You rented a car? Yeah, big old. SUV. Just powered through. Ten hours, that's it? Ten hours, yeah. That's actually less than I assumed for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, though, because I know that, like, what, Philadelphia is, like, seven hours or something. Yeah, never been. Me neither, but I just have looked it up. Because I want to go. I'd like to go to Philadelphia. I miss the trips that kids go on in school. I don't, yeah. think, they, I don't think they go to Philadelphia. Some people probably, probably do. Yeah. But, um, I didn't go to Washington, D.C. Me either. I wish I would have. Yeah, me too. Um, we should uh, organize adult field adult trips. Adult field trips. Yeah. Take, yeah. Check out Washington, D.C. Yeah. The yeah. belly of the beast. Yeah, instead of eighth grade, you have, you have to be at least 38 to go. Yeah. Well, we got to wait a couple of years then. You do. I'm almost there, man. Yeah, true. You're you're getting old, man. I am getting old. I'm not yet. No, uh-uh. No, I... I like, just what I was talking about. What did I say? Oh, on my, my grandpa's funeral. Dude, I can't believe that I've been alive long enough to have something have happened that long ago, you know? Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's t- like 20 fucking years ago, almost. Was it? Yeah. That was, yeah, Jesus. It's weird. It is weird. So, um, so Kyle sent me a video to watch. Oh, yeah. Actually, Joe Rogan's uh, tweeted out one that I'm interested in. It's a debate with Noam Chomsky and... Um, who else was it? Noam Chomsky and uh, Foucault. Know? Oh yeah, Michelle Foucault. Do you know what the topic is? I, I've forgotten, but just the idea of a debate between the two. I'm curious just to see how that how it plays out. How it plays out. So I'd be interested. But uh, but Kyle, so Kyle sends me one, and uh, it's about it's a debate, another debate, and it's I, a debate. I do like. Debates. Me I think too. you can learn a lot in a short period of time mm-hmm. in a debate. Um, I forgot how much I like debates. Yeah, uh, I haven't. I haven't watched a lot of debates, but I, I mean, in the last week and a half, I've watched a fucking bunch of debates. Have you on this channel, The Crucible? Yeah. Um, Do you remember the 
uh, man, I'm going to struggle to come up with the names now. Uh, there was that uh, debate with, um, was it Noam Chomsky? Um, it was William F. Buckley and... Uh, oh, William F. Buckley and, uh, man, what's that <laughs> other dude's name? Gore Vidal. Gore Vidal, Gore Vidal. yeah. <clears throat> and that was that was tremendous. It was a tr- it was entertaining as hell. Yeah, and William you, F. Buckley. I, I don't I don't really like William F. Buckley, but he uh, he had some good lines. He sure did. You know, he, sure he was did. a clever guy. Whether he, you know, say what you want about him, he was a clever guy. He was good with words, and uh, he definitely had some good lines. Over you ever watch any of the Firing Line show that he did? You can they're uh-uh. like all on YouTube. No, no, no. It's I, interesting. I should yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I think Ron Paul was on one. Ooh. Just tons of interesting people, you know. So you, you, going back to the Gore Vidal, William F. Buckley, you, do you remember yeah. the, the debate much? Yeah, yeah. It's been, oh, well, it's been mean, a while since I listened to it, but but I remember that... Uh, debate? Debate. I don't remember a debate. I remember... How would you how would you? Well, I mean, I guess, I guess in a way they were debating, but they were like doing media coverage of debates. You know, there, I think if I'm remembering correctly, there were presidential debates. And then afterwards, Buckley and Vidal were like covering them. They were doing like it's political been, commentary. It's been so long, I don't really remember. I'm like pretty sure that was the case. But what I do remember was that they spent a lot of time trying to, they spent a lot of effort trying to make the other one look stupid. Oh, yeah. And it was like, you know, I, I want to twist you up in your own words or I want to come up with a quip that's sharp. And, you know, it's like it's for the audience, right? It's for the audience. Um, that's one thing about debates that I dislike. Yeah. So I have jumping right to that. But we can circle back. We can start with the crucible and, talk, and open up the story a little bit and kind of lay the, lay the groundwork. But, but I don't. I guess there's two different ways of having a debate. You can try to make the other person lose, or you, or you can try to learn. Yeah, I think um, broadly, yeah, there's that those two strategies. Um, and I, I think that whether or not I'm going to enjoy either one of those strategies, I can enjoy both of those strategies. Sure, yeah. Um, it depends on the behavior of the people. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, for instance, uh, the debate that I sent you, uh, and I didn't send it to you because it was a uh, topic that I think either of us, honestly, are particularly interested in. I, I really don't care about veganism. I, I think it's such a stupid thing to even talk about. Um, but I sent it to you, and the reason I enjoyed it is because the guy... Um, Andrew... No, no, no. Well, Andrew, but uh, I I love Andrew. Yeah, George Martin, the guy from Carnism Debunked. I don't know if he's just never debated someone before or if he's never debated somebody who, like, knew what they were doing in a debate before. Yeah. But he he wasn't making – he wasn't making an argument. He was just saying that's crazy. Mm -hmm. And uh, so basically, if (laughs) – if the person that you're debating against is good faith and is, you know, trying to just have a, a conversation, well, I mean, a debate is more than a conversation, really, but, mm-hmm. but you know, they're approaching it from good faith and they're they're open to the things you're saying. Um, then I'm fine with just having a civil conversation. But if they come in with a bunch of like rhetorical nonsense, like the which that guy did, the carnism debunked guy. Uh, the entire time uh, he came right out of the gate, you know, uh, 
what what was the he kept so he kept saying things like people love the taste of their bodies you know like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. just the way he's phrasing things trying to be like like trying to gross people out uh yeah, and just it's saying emotional that, appeal after yeah, emotional appeal and just saying that it, that's insane that's crazy not making yeah. an argument at all at that point I think it's fine to start treating them like yeah. a punching bag. I, I I think it's it's funny, and if you can make it valuable, then I think you should. So I you're not trying to change that person's mind. You're trying to change the audience's mind. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what I exactly what I don't like about debate. In fact, I don't think I like debate at all. I th- <laughs> I, I, I like to uh, like there's parts of it that are entertaining, and I like I said, you can learn a lot of things really quickly that way. I think it's I think it's valuable, um, but I don't think it's the right way. Like I, I don't think I agree with the spirit of debate. That doesn't seem like you. I know it doesn't, but the, re, the what I mean that is seems like out of your like Randian, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I, I guess when I say spirit of debate, I mean the spirit that wants you to destroy the other person for the sake of the audience. I don't like that. If somebody, if if you have both agreed to do this thing publicly. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I don't agree with. I don't agree with. It's like, what are you trying to accomplish? Are you? You're, it's like you're putting you're putting on a spectacle. Is that what you're trying to accomplish? Yeah. But then then okay, I suppose that's fine. But I don't want any part of it. <laughs> I don't want any part of it. Why? I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense well, to me. It's like this. You you like you're okay with watching uh, a UFC fight, but you're not watch. You're not okay with watching like something about a UFC fight. Something about about a debate is like worse than an actual physical fight for you, which is weird to me. Because how else are we going to do it? How else do you defeat ideas? I mean, you, you're not going to do it one on one. You know. I guess. I I guess. I when you say how else are you going to defeat ideas, I guess I'm not particularly interested in defeating ideas. Let me tell you what I mean. I think if two people hold different opinions. And they sit down and have a conversation in good faith. What that should mean is that they will respect each other's opinions. They will disagree and provide, you know, the basis for their disagreement as they go along. And at, at a bare minimum, they sh- each person should be able to figure out where, where, where do they really diverge? How, how far back into this argument does it go? Where is the fundamental disagreement that's the fork in the road? In a debate, you never, ever get there. That's not true. Well, you never get to the point where somebody might learn your perspective, appreciate appreciate where it is you're actually diverging, and, and grow to understand one another. That doesn't happen in these types of debates. That's true. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to say always. I, I, maybe participants have had their minds changed in debates. I, I'm sure that's happened, but yeah, that's not another, often. That, yeah, and it probably wouldn't happen in a conversation like I'm describing either. But it seems more possible in that situation than in a debate that's designed to yeah. for effect. I think that if you are the type of person who thinks about things enough to want to debate them, um, you are not going to have your mind easily changed. You know, like you're in it. You know, you're defending it publicly. You're, yeah. you're making sport of it. You yeah. know, um, I do think that's valuable to learn how to defend your argument. And even if somebody just one of the most valuable things I think about debating is learning why you think what you think it's for you more or, than it is or for why you. other people think the shit that they yeah, think exactly. that you disagree with sure. that's very very important because it's so quick people are so quick to say oh you're a fucking idiot 
because they won't put themselves in the headspace of the other person. If they if they did, they would they would they would recognize something that's legit about it. Yeah. And to, to my point, they don't know why they think that. You know, they have their position and they have no idea why they think that. Yep. All it is is this is what I think. This is these are the feelings that I have about this. Yep. And I'm basing my opinion solely on that. Um and once you start talking once you get someone like that talking to somebody who's willing to think about things logically, they don't have any defense for what they think most of the time. And they, I mean, it's hard not to make someone look like an idiot when they, you know, they're making themselves look like an idiot. Yeah, but isn't that even better? Isn't it better to let them hang themselves than it is to, like, whip them from the other side? It depends. It does depend. It I depends think on how they're reacting to it. Where let's let's figure out where you and I diverge on this because I think it is it is entertaining can be really entertaining to see somebody demolish another person publicly it can be can be don't get me wrong for me where it's the most satisfying so in that debate that we watched um, it's the debate on the crucible it's between Andrew Wilson who is the host of the crucible um, and um, George Martin George Martin carnism debunked yeah. Um, and it's on is eating meat moral so if anybody I, I highly recommend you watch it especially if you like the type of debating I like yeah. but like immediately well, yeah. from let's say that again is eating meat moral this was yeah. the topic of the debate between the two go ahead uh, so how quickly into the debate did Andrew's style start like rubbing you the wrong way 30 seconds 30 seconds yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, it wasn't respectful enough from hit from his point in the beginning that's pretty much how I feel about George Martin's um, argument like he came in and he blatantly disregarded the um, what's the the what's the, the, the what rules? you're debating oh the the, the, the topic, topic whatever yeah, yeah. The topic. Um, <laughs> so he just blatantly disregarded why is it immoral he just he started going into all of this like the process of it things mm-hmm. like that comparing it to like terrible things mm-hmm. to try to like create some kind of um you know like an emotional association with the meat industry with like you know um the byproduct of world war 2 you know what i'm saying yeah yeah no i agree i think that that was his first mistake his first mistake was trying to have a broader argument than what he signed up for and Andrew wasn't having it. He kept reining him in, reining him in because what he wanted to do was to talk about, you know, how terrible the practices of harvesting meat are commercially and he wanted to talk about, you know, whatever health problems with with uh, eating meat and he wanted to talk about um he wanted to talk about the moral problem of killing in general. Mhm. And um, but he refused to go down the path, uh, any of the paths that Andrew tried to lay out for him, um, and that got very frustrating. So after yeah. after like less than an hour of a three hour debate, I had enough. I couldn't listen to anymore. Oh really? Yeah. But it was exactly what what you said is that that Andrew kept reining him in and saying, "But you haven't explained to me why eating meat is immoral. Can you explain to me why eating meat is immoral?" And he was just like, oh, uh, "That's insane. Uh, That's yeah. insane." Yeah, but you're right. He he used a lot of appeals to, to emotion. He forced Andrew to name his dog, which was a tactic he, you know, he wanted to bring it in to, that, to make it's it. It's like my favorite thing about that, though, is he he thought that was going to, like, hit Andrew. Like, oh, my dog. My dog. And he's like, no, I'll eat that bitch with barbecue <laughs> yeah, sauce, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I that's, th- that was, like, 
one of the things that I loved about it is this this dude was just completely unprepared, had no idea what he was walking into. Well, he only had one argument. Yeah. And when Andrew refused to play that game, he, he had nothing else. Yeah. And that was obvious, and it was embarrassing. Especially when Andrew kept telling him, like, what you're telling me is that uh, a, a, an animal's life, it's a sentient being, and that's a, some sort of a sacred thing, and it has an equivalency to human life. That's That's what he was trying to say. And he kept trying to get... George to go down that path and he he for some reason he wouldn't it's like he wanted to change the argument so they could proceed and George just wouldn't go with him well, that was very frustrating to me yeah so I agree with you I think that is frustrating and that's why I have zero problem with Andrew having like kind of a you know an attitude with him you know what I mean it's because yeah. like you're not participating you know like I'm trying to get you to participate and you're just dragging your feet so I'm just going to dunk on you at this point. I'm just going to make you look stupid. So so the point at which that's appropriate, that's where you and me differ. I think that George was polite um, the whole time. I think he was he was unprepared and, and not as smart as he thought he was, but I don't think he was in bad faith. I don't really think that Andrew was impolite, to be honest with you. I think that, I mean, so one of the most um, inflammatory things, directly inflammatory things that Andrew said to him was when... Basically, the end of the debate, um, you know, George basically just threw his hands up in the air. He's like, how am I going to convince Andrew that, you know, about the the pigs and the sheeps and the chickens if I can't convince him? And, uh, you know, he's just like basically throwing his hands up in the air. And Andrew says, "Okay, but I need you to understand why. It's because your ideas are fundamentally fucking stupid. Yep, I remember that. They are. Like, I just don't think... He's not saying you're a piece of shit. He's not saying you're some degenerate asshole. He's saying the ideas that you brought to the table for this contest of ideas are fundamentally fucking stupid. Because And they are. Like, if you watch that debate, unless you have some kind of cognitive dissonance going on, he didn't. he couldn't make a point. You're right. So I think that if George would have been arrogant and would have been bossy and would have been like... You know, do, a typical do, do, doing his own quips. Yeah. Then he would have deserved it, and I would have enjoyed watching him get destroyed. So that's where we. Differ. That's where we differ. It didn't seem to me like he did anything wrong, apart from not being prepared for that discussion. You know, and maybe that's disrespectful enough. But but, but again, I just don't understand. He. I really don't think that Andrew is being that impolite. He's being like kind of brash. You know. Um, yeah. But, yeah. again, he's just criticizing the ideas that are brought to the table, uh, yeah, which you, is okay, what let the me, debate is all about. Let me let me describe for our audience what those brash things are, and we can just determine as a collective whether it was rude or not. He was trying to – what's the word? He was trying to um, – oh, what, what? Andrew said to the animal lover George – that there's something about burying cats and chopping their heads off. Yeah. He said something about, uh, he said, in order to uh, provoke, that's the word, in order to provoke some more, some more something more substantial from him, he said that an, an animal is just property. That was kind of the basis of his argument. Yeah. And when George was like astonished by that, he said, look, you know, what did he say? I once... I once uh, shot a chicken in the yeah, face because yeah, it looked at me sideways. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. He said, I had a chicken. It looked at me the wrong way, and I shot him in the fucking face. Yeah. He didn't say he ate him. He just said he destroyed his life because he pissed him off. That's very provocative to this animal-loving PETA guy on the other side of the argument. 
And what is that designed to do? I was not expecting that to be to be what you went with. Really? Not at all. I thought it was going to be like, like I said, like uh, that thing that I said where he's like, your ideas are fundamentally fucking stupid. Yeah, I remember that. But to me, that wasn't, that was rude. It was like, so the stuff where he's like, you know, again, after several times of um, Andrew and Zen trying to get Andrew, or uh, I'm sorry, George, George to make an argument, mm-hmm. um, he, Andrew was like, "What? You can't tell me why if I grab two meat cleavers and just start chopping up my dog." Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, he's like, yeah. "But he's Andrew was clearly frustrated at that point. He's like, why you you can't make an argument? You can't do what we're here to do. You're yeah. not. You haven't done it this so, entire time.' So let, let me let me go a little further for our audience because they didn't see this debate necessarily. You should. You should watch when, it. When, yeah, you should. When what Kyle's saying here is that at one point Andrew says that he's going to chop up his own dog." with two cleavers <laughs> and this very graphic, you know, uh, imaginatory exercise. And he he's doing this with his hands, right? And you're just picturing the blood everywhere. And he's asking George, tell me why this is wrong. Tell me why this is wrong. Because he wanted him to finally make an argument about why it's immoral to, to for him to, in his mind, destroy his own property in George's mind to kill a, a beautiful creature of God. See, I can't remember how long it is into the debate, but eventually they do kind of get George. Like, I think it's one of those points where, uh, you know, he's just like, I can't, it's insane. It's crazy. And so Andrew says something very provocative and Andrew's like, is it wrong? Just yes or no. Is it wrong mm-hmm. for me to do that? And he says, yes. And he says, why? Yep. And he finally does get him. He says it's, um, you know, because she's a sentient being. And yes. She's got experience and she feels pain. But he said that many times. Yeah. You know, she's and, a well, they, living. Then they did, they like zeroed in on that. They went into it more and, and my, started breaking it down. And my point would have been, my, not my point, my strategy would have been to help him to that point so that we could continue the discussion. I would have said much earlier in the conversation when he brings up the value of sentient beings, I would have said, Okay, so there's something about her being sentient that makes a difference, and we would have, and then we could have agreed on that, and then built from it. I think that he tried to do that. I don't think so. He well, he might have, but he did a shitty job of it. And I <laughs> and and him him being brash and smoking his cigarettes and trying to fucking act like he's you know that 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 whole show he was putting on. That's the reason people are watching the debate. But I fucking dislike it. It's not a productive conversation. I don't think that's why people are watching the debate. I think that. Um if you look in the comments of the Crucible videos, I, I'm on the which dis- I do not, yeah, I, I'm on the Discord for that channel too. Um, a lot of really smart people are watching those, like uh, you know, uh, people who have podcasts where they talk about ideas and shit like that. It's not, it's not people watching to get. I mean, the watching somebody get dunked on is always. I think it's always entertaining, <laughs> oh, especially when you you have stupid fucking ideas and you're trying to disseminate them to people. You. I think it's valuable to make people with stupid fucking ideas look stupid. Valuable to who? To them? To me. To the audience? To both? It's valuable to me. It's valuable to the person doing it or they wouldn't be Mm. doing it. Mm. It's valuable to the people watching it who get to see that idea. Like, I mean, if if somebody's out debating, like, Soviet-style communism, you know, Bolshevism, you don't want that person dunked on? I want that person embarrassed. So, yeah, I mean, 
I understand that it would be fun to watch, but I just wonder. It's not about it being fun to watch. It it all it to me it all has to do with their um, approach. It, if they if they need to be dunked on, if they deserve to be dunked on, if they're trying to have an honest debate, I think that George not, Martin deserved to be dunked on. <laughs> See, I I don't know, man. I disagree. I don't think that. I, see, I don't think that anything Andrew did was really that bad. To be honest with you, I mean, he was definitely, you know, confrontational. But it's a debate. It's mm-hmm. a con, it's a confrontation. I know, and maybe that's what I don't like about it. Maybe maybe I would prefer not a debate, but a discussion. You should watch more Crucible debates because they're not all like that. I, I love Andrew's style. A, yeah. a, even Andrew's not always like that. Okay. Um, but I do, I really enjoy Andrew Style. He's the host, but he's probably my favorite debater on the channel. Um, but it's a great channel, man. You should watch more of them. Um, they do a lot of religious debate, mm. a lot of, you know, debate about God, stuff like that. Yeah, it's well, very interesting. I, d- I definitely need to listen to that more for sure. Yeah. So <clears throat> as a counterexample, uh, we brought up a couple times on the podcast, um, Stephen Crowder's uh, Change My Mind. Yeah. And... That is a similar scenario. So he, he's usually sitting across from somebody who's got some ideological differences that are pretty extreme from his own. And he, his strategy is to help them develop their best point sure. so that he can destroy it. And I think that helping, helping them is, is, is good. I think it's helpful. I think it's, I think it's helpful to them in, in a way that dunking on them isn't. So I agree the thing that I agree with you on is that that strategy is effective in that setting because you're debating. I mean, that's less a de- of a debate and more of just like a conversation, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but if Crowder dunks on those people, it's not going to be effective at all. For, he's not going to be able to continue the conversation, which is what he needs to do for the content, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, and you can't like rip somebody apart for not having fully formulated ideas when you just grab them off of the street. But if you're going into a debate and it's like a serious thing and you're supposed to have your arguments together and somebody comes in completely unprepared, I don't think it's bad to yeah, you, make them look like an so idiot. I can't really disagree with you on that, but I think maybe that's what, I think that's not the right a debate is not the right venue for learning. It's not the right venue for a discussion, and uh, it's its own thing. And and I'm I'm I don't expecting too much. I think saying that it's not a venue for learning, I don't think is true because you said in well, this debate I, yeah, you can learn a lot. Not, I guess I should have said self development rather than learning. Somebody's learning from it, but not not usually the person getting dunked on. No, no, I don't know that I agree. Well, yeah, I do agree with that. I explicitly said that, but it's not for them. Yeah, and I get you. It's it, I, it is for them because what they want is to do the exact same thing to you, you know. But well, it wouldn't be what I want, and that's well, and so when you when you when I t- tweeted out about this particular debate, and you were like, "Gauntlet's been thrown, let's have a debate." I'm not interested in a debate like that. Yeah. So what what I'm interested in is, and and you you hit to the point when you said it's not for them, it's not for the person in the debate. Imagine how different the conversation between George and Andrew would have been about is eating meat moral if there wasn't an audience and there wasn't a an, a, 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 a comment. What's the fucking guy in the middle? Moderator. Uh, moderator. Yeah. If it was just them by themselves having this honest conversation, 
Would Andrew have been acting the way he acted? Would he have been more helpful in the conversation? Are there I, cameras? <coughs> no, there's no cameras. There's, then maybe not. Yeah. But I think that there being cameras and you making it like a, uh, a competition of sorts, I just don't think that... I understand that that's the problem that you have yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. So... So, so I, then I would agree with you in the, in, the, in the sense that debate is a different thing than what I'm describing as yeah. ideal. It has a different purpose. And uh, I can get in. Don't get me wrong, man. I don't, want you to act, I don't want you to think that I don't like him because I do. I enjoy watching them. And I even enjoy the same stuff you enjoy about it. But it needs to be, for me to enjoy it, it needs to be merited. It needs to be warranted. Yeah. In my mind, I have, to, I have to be thinking, dunk on this motherfucker. And then when it does, I'm yeah. like, fuck yeah. Yeah. So well, I'm, just I'm not, by nature of being vegan, I was like, dunk on this motherfucker. <laughs> you know? But, you know. So, so just, I don't know how much we want to talk about this particular argument, but let's do it for a second. The morality of eating meat stuff. I do think that when a Andrew kept making the argument, it was just a solid argument, but it was only one limited argument out of a bunch of places he could have gone. He said, you know, an animal is property, just, mm -hmm. just like my stereo, and I could do with it what I want. And if somebody were to slit its throat, as George, as George kept saying, that the only crime that's occurred is um, dam property. damage to property. Yeah. And George is smiling, and he's like, what? That's, That's insane. insane. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, but he refused to say why it's insane. So then the question that comes up is, um, when Andrew focuses on the crime and George is trying to focus on the moral point, well, could we not have said morality and crime are not necessarily the same thing. So when you're telling me the only crime that's occurred is property crime, um, that may be true, but it's not the only moral breach that's occurred. Why could they not have had that conversation? The See, difference between morality and, and law. I think that they, you, I, I mean, I understand that you were frustrated and you tapped out, but I think you should watch more of it. Um, because they do kind of get to all that stuff. Um, what, an hour two? Not, not interested, man. It's a long man. debate, man. You know, you gotta, like... For me, if I'm like working, I'll listen to a, a, a three, four hour debate. I don't care. I'll just like, you know, have it in my ears while I'm cutting metal. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, but yeah, they do get into that kind okay. of stuff. Okay. Um, what, what about the point that he brings up about when Andrew tries to get him to tell him how many dogs have to be killed to yeah. equal the death of a human morally? Like what the equivalencies are? Like, that was an interesting conversation they didn't have, you know, because George wouldn't. Well, I don't think that Andrew, in that situation, I, and my interpretation is that Andrew is just trying to make George see how ridiculous the whole thing is. Not that there's actually, like, you know, six dogs equals one person, you but, know. But that was the question that was asked, and that has to be addressed. It's, is, if murder is a moral you know, crime or whatever you want to call it, if it's a, a moral failure, um, is there any more value in one type of life over another? They should have had that conversation. And at some point... They do. I, well, yeah, at some point, George says, what, if he kills four dogs, he should he should, he should be killed. Yeah, yeah. So it basically, he said four dogs equals one human life. So, you know, they could have had a deeper conversation about the law, the, the limitations of the law are that we have to de determine a punishment. That's what goes along with the law. But but it's not possible to analyze a moral value in the way that the law assigns so I think, punishment. I think what got you frustrated is what I interpret as Andrew 
is trying to get to all of these points that you're talking about, but he's trying to get George to go there. Yeah. And George won't. That's true. George is just like, no, that's insane. You know, gonna, Zen's going to slit Sue's throat, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, Andrew, the entire debate is trying to coax George into having those conversations. Yeah. But George, George's arguments are fundamentally fucking stupid. Yeah. Well, like, you, you know. You're right about that. He was trying to let George get there himself, and that would have been more valuable for him and more entertaining they for the audience. They get there eventually. Yeah. So I understand that it's frustrating for you, but they do get there eventually. I'll, I'll tell you something George did that was frustrating to me since I've been picking on Andrew too much. Um, and he does seem like a smart guy, and you know I'm, I don't have nothing against him. But uh, George, at one point, asks the moderator to chime in on the debate because he wasn't, yeah, getting, yeah. He wasn't getting anywhere. Was, I don't know if you got to it, but he appealed to the audience yes. as well. Yeah. And, he, and then he asks for the audience because he... That's another funny thing is like what he wanted to get was somebody to agree with him ultimately. But what he was hoping for was a majority against Andrews one. That's yeah. what he wanted. And that's this mob type of debate that I absolutely hate because it's something that I see so much from the left. It's disgusting. And in fact, when I was a kid, I can relate this to what would happen at school fights because every time something was trying to get um, de-escalated, Somebody in the audience would say, "Oh," or they would they would do something to try to egg it on, and uh, you know ramp up the tensions in the situation. And it was all about getting the audience to determine what was going to happen, you know, between these two people. And that's what George wanted. He wanted a majority to be against Andrew so that he would have some advantage. And that was slippery and uh, weaselly. Did not work out for him. No, 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 no. Uh, that was probably one of the parts that I would imagine rubbed you the wrong way too because I think at one of those not when he asked Zen but I think when he appealed to the audience uh, Andrew was just like cracking up like yeah, like remember. going for it you yep. know like uh, dunking on him basically yeah 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 the laughing the laughing at him part two that to me it's like you gotta try to not to do that you gotta yeah. try you gotta try not to do that yeah, I think at first you have to try not to do at that at first yeah but when they're appealing to the audience and trying to make everyone think that you're crazy you know uh, I, I think it's fine. I just don't have a problem with it. And a lot of the stuff that Andrew debates is more, like, cultural. I mean, he does religious debates, and he does a lot of, like, cultural-type debates. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw him do one about is OnlyFans and, like, porn in general harmful. And when you're debating against people who are defending that sort of thing, they're always super liberal. And those are the worst people ever to debate. They're fucking underhanded they're shitty people mm-hmm. um and you know obviously you're going to be disrespectful to them at some point it's like <coughs> you're not just going to like if i'm debating them i'm not just going to let them sit there and talk shit about me the entire debate uh, eventually i'm going to you know yeah. start hitting back yeah i got mixed feelings about it because uh the people who the people who manage to keep their cool you know always seem to look better you know there's a way of dunking on someone and keeping your cool, yeah. but I'm not sure I've figured out how to do it, you know. Would you say that Andrew lost his cool in that debate? Um Well, not like not like he he was losing in any capacity and was like, you know, you know, <coughs> tooth and clawing his his way out of a hole, not like that, but just unnecessarily there was things that he did that were unnecessarily uh rude in my in my opinion yeah. it's like you got to be respectful especially in a situation where 
the argument, and I do want to talk about this argument, by the way, about the value of uh, the moral value of life. Yeah. Okay. But finish what you were saying. Do you even remember? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I, one thing about the debate is that I do think that Andrew was trying to be shocking, but a couple of times he did let slip, and I think I think intentionally let slip to try to give George something to an avenue to go mm-hmm. down. Yeah, he did let slip that this is kind of a show, and I do I do have emotional an emotional attachment to yeah. Sue. Yep. I love Sue. She's my like I love Pat. I pretty much agree with Andrew completely. I love Pat. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I almost lost him, and I just paid thousands of dollars to save his life because I love him. Yep, but. So it's not, you know, it's not like Andrew's, like, I'm sure that if Andrew saw some guy cutting up his dog, like a perfectly healthy dog, and you just like, I'm sure I would be bothered by that. Yeah. I would have like a oh, serious yeah. problem sure. with that. Yeah, he would, yeah, he would cry. And- but no, wait a minute, what? Somebody- uh, would you cry if you saw some, a random dog get killed? Oh, not a random dog. Yeah, I thought no. you meant his own dog. No, no, no. Yeah. Like, if I saw somebody killing a random dog for no reason, I would have a problem. Oh, I would be sure. like, yeah. why the fuck, what is wrong with you? Yep. But I don't know that they should be put in prison for murder. You know what I'm saying? But that is something that we could talk about is I do think that there should be some kind of consequences for killing a dog for no reason. You know. um, So I I really struggle with this myself because I agree that a human life is more valuable than a dog. If you press me on why, I don't have such a clear explanation. Did you get to that in the debate? Uh Uh-uh. Okay, well, we'll get we'll get there. Yeah, and I think again, like I said, Andrew's arguments are generally pretty rock solid. Mm-hmm. So, so the hang up that I have, which I'm sure you can anticipate, is that I believe that life and consciousness, sentience, one, man. is uh, is the sacred thing. Yeah. And when the Bible says that we're made in the image of God, that's what it means. Um, so, ev- and in the way that Buddhists see the world is something that I'm more and more empathetic to. Um, what I mean is. They won't kill bugs. They won't kill, you know, anything intentionally because they see every life as sacred. And I do, too. I would have a hard time thinking that an orthodox person wouldn't agree with that statement. Um, And so I can and one side of my mouth say that a human life is more valuable than an animal life. And on the other side of my mouth, I think that if you kill an animal or an insect, you're you're blotting out one of the eyeballs that God is seeing out of. That's kind of how I look at it. It's like that is supremely disrespectful to kill something because you are. So why aren't you a vegan? That's another part of the argument is that there's something symbolic about that. We know it, it, ha- it boils down to sacrifice in religious language. Why aren't you wiping your counters or why are you wiping your counters down with disinfectant sprays? Yeah, I know what you mean. I know. I see the hypocrisy. That's why I'm saying I'm talking that on both sides of my mouth. For a while here in this podcast studio, um, I had uh, bugs because we're in the basement, right? There's bugs down here. There's gnats that have been flying around my little terrarium that I have in here. And um, I couldn't kill them. I wanted to, and I just kept telling myself, live and let live, man. Live and let live. Don't, get, <laughs> don't, don't just arbitrarily kill something. And maybe that's the distinction, arbitrarily. If you have to kill to survive, that's one thing. But killing, you know, that's like what, what liberal people have issues with, like, trophy hunting. Like, that's one of those things. You're killing just because? That doesn't seem right. I agree with that. It doesn't seem right. You know? Trophy hunting is, that's an interesting one because... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I think about that. Like, um, 
it is kind of purposeless, you know, like, uh, but is it though? Like, cause if you're trophy hunting and it's like a, a population management kind of a thing, um, I don't, I just don't know. I w- I guess I would need to dial in e- on that. Even more. in, even in a situation where you're killing an animal because they're super overpopulated and there's like health reasons and safety reasons why you have to thin them out. Even, even if you think you're doing a good thing that way, if you shoot that animal and leave it to rot, something, something doesn't seem right about that. To me, I mean, I realize that nature's going to eat it, right? If you don't eat it, nature's going to eat it. You know, the coyotes, the bacteria, you know, the bugs, they're, they're going to eat it. So maybe it, maybe it doesn't really make a difference. But I think if you take the life, you have a responsibility to, to be grateful and to use every bit that you can. Like, it needs, to, it, needs to be, it needs to matter because the life was valuable. You know, if you, if you took that life, you need to get some... You need to, I don't know what I'm trying to say. You, I don't, I don't agree. I mean, <clears throat> I think that I largely agree, but like, I don't think that you should be killing things purposelessly. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's, the thing is, I don't think it's good for you. So that's something to consider, but I don't know, man. You, you I, don't think it's good for you to kill something purposelessly? Yes. Okay, well, that's an interesting point. What do you think is not good about it? What, what damage do you think you'll do to yourself if you're killing animals without... without? Uh, I think it's like... I, I think that... I, I can't give you a Bible verse, and I don't have any, like, you know... Uh, but just my immediate feeling is that it's a sin. It seems ungrateful, and it seems wasteful. It seems those two things to me. Yeah. Ungrateful to kill something and to not value. And it it does depend on what your motivations are too. You know, your motivation. If you're, I don't know, if you're just killing something because you, I don't know, you're just, you see something there and you, like a bug, you just step on a bug because you could have walked past it, but yep. you step on it. Um, I think that that's weird, but I don't think it's as bad as like, I don't know, like your dog shits in the house and you're angry at it, so you kill it. You know, like something about that seems worse to me. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe so, it's just because it's a bug. Maybe it's because I picked something that is like. So wh- you know. while you were talking, I imagined. I've been, I've been watching, uh, been watching uh, Yellowstone. Oh, God. Why? Because so, my, my wife. I, listen, man, I, I was resisting it. Yeah. I resisted it till like episode four. That shows a fucking season. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It, well, yeah. So anyway, I was just picturing like wolves. They're attacking the, you know, the cows. Yeah. And then I'm just picturing like wolves or or other predators like being a risk to your children when you were living in like we were living in like tribal situations. Somebody might get picked up by a bobcat or a jaguar or some yeah. shit. And uh, I can imagine myself killing a predator, killing an animal like that, and feeling justified and, and not eating it. Yeah. So I just I was just thinking of an example that countered my own statement from a minute ago. But that's not purposeless. That's like just because you don't eat it doesn't mean that it's not purposeless. You know, you're doing it for a very good reason. Um, I think that that makes sense. If you have an area where you and the people that you love and the people who you support and support you, um, if you're all there, it makes sense to keep that area and like maybe some area around that. Keep keep it predator free as predator free as you possibly can. Mm. Um, Do you remember when Andrew asked George? Yeah, uh, what he asked him if whether we should. He asked he asked him if 
if a wolf kills a deer, is that murder? And George is like, yes, it's murder. Yeah, <laughs> and he yeah. said, and he said, so should we kill all the predators then? And that was an interesting point because George answered it right in order, yeah. in order to be consistent. It's a reductio. It's a reductio. It's a reductio. Yes. Um, which it is, you know. I, I think he said that a few times, and some of it made me wonder if he really knows what reductio means. <laughs> yeah. But he's right in that scenario, you know. Yep. All yeah. predators kill, so the solution to that is kill all predators. Exactly. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Yep. Um, there is a guy who did. They talked about it in the debate. His uh, name on there is Vegan Gains. He's one of the debaters, and he he thinks that that it's it's moral to kill predators. Oh, he's a interesting character. Well, let's 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 give ourselves another example. If asking whether it's moral to kill a predator, what comes to my mind as an analogy is a predator in the human world, a, yeah. a psychopath. Is it more? Is it moral to kill a psychopath? I don't think that by nature of being a psychopath that you are necessarily a predator. Um, I think that there are psychopaths who, you know, maybe you don't want to be friends with them, um, but they may live their entire lives without really doing anything terrible. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but suppose so, they are. Yeah, so if they are actually a predator, I think it's totally fine. I mean, well, uh, I don't know. I, I do have mixed feelings about the death penalty, uh, but... If, if if you have a hundred percent certainty that a, yeah. that a psychopath has murdered more than once, I say kill him. I'm I'm generally on the same page. I say you. kill I, him I do have sooner rather than later. Still, no, but. don't sit in a jail. Your soul is destroyed. You forfeited your right to life, and you got to go. You got to go. The problem with that, what you just said, is that I don't necessarily think that you get to decide. That. Oh, I, I would decide it, and I feel and I feel justified That's in where it. we differ. It, it's no different than the wolf. The wolf attacking my... I'm saying specifically about his soul. I don't think that you get to decide that. <laughs> his soul's been destroyed? Yeah. Mm, I don't... If you don't think that somebody could have murdered three people and then... You know, again, I, I, the economics, the, the logistics of this, keeping them alive for years, I'm with you. It doesn't make any sense. But if you do, you don't think there's any chance that a person who murdered three people could change. Well, you're changing the you're changing the parameters. Is it possible that someone who murdered three people can change? Absolutely. Is it possible that a psychopath who killed somebody for fun can change? But, I don't think so. I think you're but, fucked. Okay, but that, but you see how both of those options makes it to where killing people as a punishment is like kind of hazy, you know? Right, which is why I said you'd have to be 100% certain of the no, guilt of the person. No, but you could. You could be 100% certain of the fact that this guy killed three people but people people fuck up. People make huge, huge, huge mistakes. Yeah. And they're not necessarily psychopaths. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yes, correct. But in this specific example, if we knew the person was killing for thrills, yes. then I would say you're fucked. You're, there's no how do you, rehabilitation. How, how do you know that somebody is killing for thrills? Like I don't I, know. But if you did, 100% know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, that's I, like, I, I don't know that you do. I don't no, know that you ever really know. Your point is taken. 100%. That is the problem I have with the death penalty as well, is that in general, even when the evidence is there, we don't really know for sure if they're guilty or what their motivations are, and that makes it very difficult to just say off with their head. Yep. I agree with you. Yep. But if I knew 100%, like I wouldn't say this about a murderer. Like let's say somebody murders somebody when they're when they're 15, and it was like they didn't even know what what 
what the consequences really were of their behavior. Should that person be treated the same way as a as a as Jeffrey Dahmer? No. Yeah. If somebody got angry and killed their uh, wife's wife. lover yeah. or their uh, cheating yeah, yeah. wife, should they be treated the same way as Jeffrey Dahmer? No. But if there's a Jeffrey Dahmer legit Dahmer out there, that guy's his soul is fucked. It's like at some point your physiology is not going to allow you to be redeemed to re- redeem your your fucking eternal soul. You know, I don't know that. I can't. I don't know that. Well, I'm taking a very strong stance on it and saying that there's no redemption for people like that. I, I, see, practically, I do pretty much agree with you. Like, I don't want to. I'm not willing to go far enough into this to say that, yeah, we should let Jeffrey. He's been in prison. We should let him out. No, you, you're never coming out. And he you sh- know, is Jeffrey Dahmer still alive? No, no, he's okay. not. But All that's right. just who we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, well, you know, and it's a different argument entirely. But I agree with you that we shouldn't be sitting there using taxpayer money to keep these people alive. But out of one side of my mouth, but out of the other side of my mouth, I'm saying to myself, you know, we really don't know what the motivation was. We really don't know if this person's 100 percent guilty. The know? fact that I have to talk out of both sides of my mouth makes me side with the side. Like I, I, I basically, I don't know if we should kill people. To be perfectly honest with you, for for corporal punishment, you know. Yeah. Um, which is rough because I've been saying for, let me give you, I mean, how long has it been? Let me give you a hypothetical years. Let me give you there's hi- some people that we should get rid of. <laughs> let me give you a hypothetical. Yeah. Suppose somebody is like, uh, bro- broke into your house and is trying to kill you. It, it, according to the law, you kill him. You're justified. You, you know, nothing's wrong. With I that. do. I'm with that. I, I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So imagine that guy breaks into your house, has you penned, is trying to kill you and you don't have a gun, so rather than killing him first, which you would have been justified in doing, you struggle against this life and death situation. You manage to, you know, get the gun or the knife away from him. You manage to subdue him. He was going to kill you. We go to jail. You have a hearing. In that moment, he was trying to take your life. You would have been fully justified in taking his. Now a jury is going to decide after the fact, should this person hang, you know? During the act, he should have, you would have had every right to kill him, and you would say he should have died. How dare he try to take someone else's life, right? But now the choice is in the jury's hands. Should he die after the fact? What do you think? He should have died during, but he didn't. Should he die after to the me, fact? If that's a clear no. He should not die. Um, I, I don't think so, no. So the question to, in my mind is somebody who can justify taking someone else's life. Should they, should they be allowed to live? Well, I guess I do need more clarification on like what is going on. And like he broke into your house strictly to murder you. Maybe not. Maybe not. But he was willing to do it because you caught him. He was willing to yeah. take your life. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. If that's the case, he broke in to like steal some shit mm-hmm. and it's shit just went bad. Yeah. I'm not saying he's a good person. I He's a piece of shit. Um, but I just think that. You, yeah, I think that we should have some kind of level of mercy, you know. And I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I just wonder if somebody who's willing to take someone else's life for whatever reason, have they forfeited their right to live? And I just, I can't say no because I, I unless we're in a situation of self-defense or, or survival, I cannot imagine 
ever justifying taking someone taking someone's life to get out of trouble or taking someone's life to to enrich yourself a little bit i mean i can if, if somebody can justify the costs there's something deeply fucking wrong with you mm-hmm. you know and if you're a child you know or even a teenager your brain's not developed you know then, you know I, I wouldn't hold you to the same account but an adult yeah well that's the thing though like i think if somebody does like, let's pick, what's the youngest age that you're willing to call somebody an adult? Um, I guess it depends on in what context, but I want to say 28. 28, that's older than I would have said. Yep, um, I'm, I'm dead serious about that. Okay, so let's say somebody is 25, mm-hmm. okay, and they are poor. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, this is not an excuse. When people try to use this as an excuse, it really fucking bothers me because yep. they committed a crime. You know, regardless of whether they're poor or not, mm-hmm. they committed a crime. That being said, they break in to steal because they're poor. And like I said, you know, they didn't realize that you were home. You are home. Yeah, and, you know, uh, in that moment, they could potentially kill you. I, I think that those are like extenuating circumstances. You know, you know what I mean? Sure. I don't think that they're consciously thinking, I'll, I'll take this person's life to, you know, it's just like in the moment, you know. Um, again, it doesn't make it right. Yeah, no, it doesn't. But it makes it different to me. But I think I see that example as different. It's similar, but different from the walking in on your wife cheating on you situation. Because in that situation, you also have the emotion. Mm-hmm. You also have the impulse. You interact, you know, uh, impulsively, whatever. <laughs> you can act <laughs> yeah, impulsively. Doing, yeah. But uh, uh, so I think that's similar. Um, but in, in the case of the cheating situation, you have deep emotional and like biological reactions when you're stealing from somebody's house you don't have those motivations you don't have that you know that fight or flight it's like it it's it's fight or flight in both situations but in one situation you i i don't want to give an excuse or a pass but i i know the feeling of being possessed by passion and you lose yourself you lose your capacity to control yourself i don't see that happening in the situation where someone's broken into your house to steal I can't imagine killing somebody to get out of trouble. Remember, I can't imagine it. Remember we were talking about last week, I think it was, about things possessing you? Mm-hmm. I think that in both of those scenarios, something is possessing you. It's just maybe like a different thing. You know? It is, yeah. Um, one of them is much more like a crime of passion, you know, whatever the yeah. thing is that's taking you over, it is very passionate. And in the other one, it's like a selfish thing. And I know? think that's, that's true. I think that makes a huge difference to me. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. I think there's a certain kind of person. I don't think everybody is, is um, capable of finding themselves in a situation where, you know, you're, you, you're trying to rob a guy on the street. He won't give you his watch. And so you shoot him. Like there are some people that would, that would rob you of your watch because they're starving or because whatever they have reasons. They're gonna rob you of your watch. But there are some people that will not pull that trigger, and there's some people that will. Yeah. And I don't know that. Apart from the case of children, which you know I, I just can't I can't say you know unequivocally. But somebody who is an adult who pulls that trigger in that situation. I don't know that you're fucking redeemable. I think you may have to go away, Maybe man. Maybe you're not. I think you might oh, need yeah. to get boiled to death boiled. in a pot of oil. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just think... Maybe it's a cultural thing. 
the the idea that the soul has value and it, to me it's so it pervades so much of my thinking that I can't even put myself in the position of someone who doesn't that person who pulled the trigger has a soul I know but it's a fucked up soul that's irredeemable maybe maybe I don't know yeah I, I re- I've I've gone like kind of back and forth on that the death penalty in my life there have been times where I've been very much for it yeah um but I admit, you know, but that, mo- I, that mostly has to do with the economic uh, effect of keeping someone in jail. Is that has that been your argument? A lot of the time, yeah. yeah. Which um, I still I think it's an argument that makes sense, but I do think that, um, like you said, you think that the soul, you know, that there's something to that, you know, and they have one too. And uh, I don't know. I just don't think that. Ask me. They're irredeemable. I yeah. really don't. Well, listen, man. Maybe I, they're a, to. Maybe they're. They'll never be redeemed enough to maybe be a part of society again. But I don't know. If you asked me if somebody like that that I just called irredeemable could have a mystical experience and change, then I would probably say that it's possible. I don't know that it's as uh, possible for someone like that as it would be for someone like me. You know, but I think. I have to backstep a little bit that it, there might be experiences that are powerful enough that would make somebody redeemable, would make somebody a different person, a redeemable person. You know how many people, a lot of black guys, uh, go to prison, you know, having come from broken homes, you know, no father in their life, lots of bad things. They commit crimes. They go to prison. Mm-hmm. T- I know that you know this. Tons of black men particularly become Muslims because they go into prison and they see all these other Muslims and they see like a a basis and a path and something to build their morals and beliefs on mm. that they never had before. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm not like necessarily suggesting people become Muslim. Although, man, if you're an atheist, become a Muslim, man. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. No. no, you know what? That particular picture you paint is more, symp- I'm more sympathetic to that picture. Uh, but again, I, I think that I think that's more of the idea of, I keep saying child, more of the idea of somebody who's um, not so set in their fucked up psychology that they're not, that they're not redeemable. But when I was asking you about um, putting yourself in, you know, in the shoes of uh, somebody who's robbing you and shoots you for your watch, um, I'll give you another, another one to consider. What about rape? So what about rape? So you, you can imagine a situation where you might have certain types of uh, like spirits or passions that are possessive. We all know lust is a very powerful feeling. You might find yourself in a situation where you're where you're sorely tempted for you know whatever whatever. You might find yourself in that situation, but somebody who has an opportunity and with all of those forces in play, someone who has an opportunity to rape somebody and and makes the choice to do it or doesn't it's a similar situation to somebody who's robbing you and makes takes the decision to shoot you how do you feel about the person who makes the decision to rape the girl is that is that person i don't know i don't know if we you probably wouldn't want to call them irredeemable but i'm trying to make a parallel between a person who makes that decision in the moment with all those forces pushing pushing them in that direction and someone who doesn't like it's possible to not and somebody's choosing to do it if they're not a child, I don't know that I have any sympathy for them. I don't have any sympathy for them. I don't like rape is even worse than murder to me in that situation because 
I'm just imagining. I don't know. I don't. I, it's hard for me to quantify that because if you get raped, you're still alive. You know, you get to True. you get, you could potentially heal. People have been raped and had fulfilling lives eventually. You know, once yeah, they work through it. Yeah, but the, on the side of the perpetrator, because what you have to do to kill somebody in that situation is move your trigger finger. What you have to do to rape a person is disgusting. You know, it's like. It's, I mean, I think that it's kind of the same. You have, like, no regard for them as a as a human life, you know? So, I, I don't know. I think that maybe the action is more complicated, but the, the driving factor I don't think is much different. Yeah. And if you get to a point where you have no regard for human life as an adult, I'm not saying it's impossible to be redeemed, but I, it, it's very, it's got to be very, very difficult. So maybe I agree with you that we shouldn't just kill them. If there's an opportunity for them to be redeemed, maybe maybe it's important that they have that opportunity. Uh, I you know I'm talking that on both sides of my mouth on this. Yeah, I don't. I mean, even a person who's a rapist, I don't. I'm not comfortable saying that they're irredeemable. I don't think that I have the authority to say that. You know. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of lean towards not killing them. As much as I dislike having to pay for them, I mean, you know, I'm not like all the amenities that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think that is mostly like rich people who go to prison, you know, and I would cut that shit out too. I don't I don't give a fuck if you're rich. You're going in gen pop with everyone, you know. Yeah. Um, but like a lot of people have a lot of problems with the amenities that people have in prison and like regular prisons. And I think that maybe there's some, but... It seems pretty fucking miserable. You know, it doesn't seem that great. So as an alternative, like I, as an alternative to keep keeping somebody in prison, like we, if we decide we can't arbitrarily, not even arbitrarily, if we decide we can't make the decision to kill somebody for all of the reasons we just said, because there may be hope for them to be redeemable and they should have the opportunity to save themselves and all that. If we agree with that, but we don't want to have people sitting in prison on taxpayer dollars, going to college for free and lifting weights for four hours a day. None of that's happening. You know, I don't care if they lift weights for four hours a day. I really don't. It but all, it all college and stuff, should, all of that. Should no. a serial raper get to fucking exercise, bitch? You shouldn't get to do shit. You should no, just sit I, there I, I in a dark a corner. Whatever. It, it's punishment for a reason. It needs to be. It needs to be punishment. But, the, but I just hold don't on. Think let me that, let me get to ahead. my goddamn point. If we don't want to pay for them to live, basically, uh, you know, an easy fucking life. If we don't want to pay for them to, you know, to to live in a prison, and we don't want to kill them, what do we do? Do we do we send them to a penal colony like they did, uh, like the British did in Australia? Do we excommunicate them and allow them to be, you know, like this, like the serial child molester or whatever that goes from one school district to the next, to the next, to the next, and nobody wants to, you know, they just want to pass the problem on to the next group? Like, or do we send them to to uh, Alaska and make them live an isolated life? Like, you go live, you know, if you can survive, you can have your life, but you just can't live with us. What's the alternative, you know? to killing or imprisoning somebody at the taxpayer's expense? Um, well, I don't have a problem with doing it at the taxpayer's expense if it's like, you know, this going to free college, all you know, all of that type of shit is out the window. It's not happening. Um, it's like a bare minimum existence. Um, it's punishment. It's not supposed to be fun. Um so I'm, I really don't have much of a problem with taxpayers doing it because it serves a purpose. You know, it's keeping them out of the society. 
but all of those other options that you just suggested, I actually, I, I was thinking of like the penal colony, you know, like mm-hmm. have almost like a, you know, they can't get out. It's still, you know, locked yeah. up. There's borders. They're not getting out. But in there, they can do whatever they want. They could build an economy if they if they had the, you know, the resources and whatnot. Um, but how do you feel about mandatory military service? Like rather than spending your sentence in jail, you have to go to Iraq. I mean, I'm not. I have problems with that because I don't understand why we're in Iraq. Well, just, you know. that's just the th- just the thing to say. But but mandatory. But that's man- that's America. I mean, what what war? What military altercation are we going to send them to? That's not completely fucking unjustified. Yeah. So I I I think that's even too much for murderers and rapists. You know, like send them over to murder more people. Yeah, I just don't think that's maybe, doesn't make sense to me. Maybe that's the best place in society for murderers. Murdering the, the army. Yeah, frontline frontline infantry. I see what you're saying, um, but we we would have to be a more moral country. With you know, we would have to be more judicious with our military engagements for me to be okay with that. Because if you have a problem with that person killing someone, so you're going to punish them by sending them to kill people, I, I just don't. That doesn't make any sense. What, what about some that's other, a reductio? What about some other kind of public service? Like, oh no, that's good. That's like, yeah, I, yeah. I'm talking about the chain gang days. Yeah, like, yeah. we need oh, busting we, up rocks, hard no, work. It's like we need we need streets built. We need yeah, trash exactly. picked All up. You know, it's like send them out to do that. How about how about this example? What about what about people who get who would otherwise be in jail for the rest of their lives? What about they have an opportunity to volunteer for things like? colonizing mars it's like you you forfeited your life here on earth you fucked up you're, you're going to be in prison forever or we could we could do this experimental thing we got we're trying to we're trying to colonize mars we need volunteers how about we send you up there and you start you know building civilization up there for us just like menial labor on Mars. Yeah, but just I don't know, man. We're like I don't know what they would be doing. I just feel like to send people to Mars, you're gonna. What, what are we gonna educate them? Are we gonna like turn them into engineers and shit? Well, we need we need regular people because it. You know, I'm, this is kind of a future scenario, yeah. but it's like it's like it's like a penal colony, but it's just on another planet. You know, it's like right now there's uh, projects um, going on to try to get human beings to Mars and not just get them there to settle it and to terraform it. That, that's all, they're already ha- having that. I don't know if you remember, uh, there was a thing, I can't remember who, who was doing it, where people were volunteering. They were asking for volunteers for yeah, people yeah, to go I to Mars. It was a that. one-way trip. They weren't coming back. You remember mm-hmm. this? Yeah. And they got like tens of thousands of volunteers. It's a bunch of fucking depressed people, dude. <laughs> Just blast me off to live by myself. But it might be just what they need, man. Can you imagine you're having a hell of a time of it here for all the reasons that we could go into, and suddenly you get shot off to another planet, and three months later you you walk out of your spaceship, and it's like you got just real basic shit to live in, and you got to figure out. It's like you got to figure out every challenge that's ever been easy for you on Earth. You got to figure out how to do all that shit. It's like you're not gonna have. You're going to be so engaged in life that you're not going to have any opportunity to... I agree. I think that however many people signed up for that, it was a bunch of people. Most of them don't want that. Most of them, if you put them in that scenario, they would want that trip back, and it's not happening. I'm sure you're right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you, like, really got to know, you know? Like, you got to be the kind of person who goes up to the Yukon Circle and lives by yourself, you know? Like, that's the kind of person you need for that scenario. And it's not a lot of those people. And most of them are not fucking 
they don't want to go to Mars. They're happy in the Yukon Circle. You oh, know? Yeah. Um, True. Yeah. Can you imagine the kind of person that wants to take that risk, that wants to... I don't know what you would want. Is it the fame? Is it to be one of the... Or is it to do something hard? Maybe it's that. I, can you imagine? A, can you imagine a bunch of settlers on Mars being made up of those two types of people? People that just want to be famous and people that... <laughs> <coughs> It's It's like the two, it's like oil and vinegar, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, But yeah, I don't know. As far as, yeah, I don't know. I guess a Mars penal colony could work. I don't think we're ever going to Mars. You don't think ever? No, I don't think ever. Hmm. I don't think we're ever going anywhere. You don't? I think that. If I had to guess, I would say we're not going anywhere. I think that we, that like the most crazy sci-fi future possibility to me is that we figure out um, fusion so that we can make a star and then we don't need ours anymore. So I, I, I like to imagine a, either a planet, like a Death Star type thing, either a planet that we can fly around the fucking universe with, uh, go wherever we need to go to be safe and just fucking create our own star to warm us and fuel us and all that. Um, so we basically have a spaceship planet or maybe we don't need a planet anymore. Maybe at some point we have, you know, Star Wars size fucking, you know, spaceships that are, you know, the size of towns. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's the, that's, that's the wave of the future. I think we eventually we're going to need to be able to survive the death of our star. And I don't know how we do that unless we exit the solar system. So Mars is not far enough, man. If, if the, if the sun starts to turn into a red giant, we got to get the fuck out of Dodge, man. Yep, true. Um, Elon, I need you to start working on the technology. Yeah, he's working on it, supposedly. I, uh, I, don't, I don't trust Elon, man. No? No, I don't trust Elon. Um, did you see that episode of Joe Rogan with Adam Curry? Mm, you, have to, you have to probably tell me more than that. I, I mean, bad with names. What do they talk about? Adam Curry. He used to be an MTV VJ, and he was like one of the earliest podcasters. And was this a recent episode? Maybe like a week or two ago. Yeah, no, I didn't listen to okay. it. Yeah. yeah. So he was on there, and he was talking about um, Elon and the things that he's pushing for, and uh, one of them is that you know he he bought Twitter under the guise of like a free speech thing. Mm -hmm. But according to Adam Curry, what he wants is, and the first step in this is like verifying people's identity. Like if you want that blue check mark, you have to be you, you know, you can't be a non, you know? Uh, So that's the first step in it is that he wants to make it, they have something over in, I think, I think it's China is what they were talking about, but it's like an app that has everything. It's your banking. It's everything. And uh, that that's what Elon is trying to turn Twitter into. An app that has everything? It's your medical ID. It's your banking. It's literally everything. And the purpose of that would be what? Well, <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, suppose that Elon accomplishes that, and I'm going to have an app on my phone called Twitter where I can communicate to people, but I also have all my information on it? So, I mean, I think that the communication part of it is, I mean, maybe it'll be a big part of it. I I mean, I don't know, maybe. Um, But I think it has more to do with 
like that being how you do everything. You don't you don't see how that would be like how you could, you know, make that make that profitable for yourself. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and also give you a lot of power because it's it's a government sanctioned thing. It's not like you know it's, it's not like you're just doing it voluntarily. Yeah. Well, the data by itself, like having all that data, having access to all that data, is you know extremely valuable. Um, it, it, whether it be for a corporation like Twitter or for the government, it's extremely valuable. Um, so that's something. But I I don't know. I I would imagine that if Twitter were to do something like that, it wouldn't be it it wouldn't be the only shop in town. It would be you know there'd be competition with other other for a little while until they get picked up by the government and then they are the only shop in town or until they get bought by Twitter wait what until the government gets bought by Twitter no 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 until the uh, until the competitors get bought up oh, yeah. by Twitter true yeah yeah we got rules about that in this country uh you know we're not we're not allowed to have monopolies yeah which That's I what they which say. I don't know how you feel about that i mean how how do you feel about that idea i don't know so the argument is basically you know, well, like like in the in the fifties, I think it was when like the big um, grocery store chains started popping up, and it wasn't just mom and pops. All of a sudden, you've got like these big uh, grocery store chains, or you've got you know um, like mini mart chains or whatever, and they start popping up and um, putting the the little mom and pop shops out of business, or big restaurant chains open up and they put the little guys out of business, and that was happening, you know. But then it happened with Standard Oil in the oil industry, where John Rockefeller's like, you know, scooping all you guys up. Yes, yeah, like I'm going to buy up all of the refineries, and then I'm going to buy up all of the transportation privileges, and then I'm going to buy up all the everything, everything yeah. until you know. So the idea, though, is that in we'll talk out of both sides of our mouths again. Um, on one side of the argument, you have this idea of efficiencies. You've got economies of scale. You got somebody who takes over all these mom and pops. Why? Because they're more profitable. Because they're bigger, they're more efficient. You know, pe- people like going to those stores because they've got more shit. You know, it's more convenient. So you've got all these benefits you're adding to the public because you're because you have this monopoly. Then on the other side of your mouth, you say, "Well, as soon as I get all of the oil companies bought up, then I'm going to raise my prices." And now you've got no competition, so you're going to pay what I fucking tell you to pay. Then you've got that side of the monopoly situation. So I don't know where I fall on that. Whether I think. That there's a part of me, especially a young, like my, in my younger days, where I would say if if a company gets so successful that they're able to buy up all of the other companies and outcompete everybody else, we're going to punish them by breaking up their business. We're going to punish them for that. Like that doesn't sound right. That sounds fucked up. Yeah. So what, where do you fall on this? I don't know. Um, I think that on some level, if a big company has you know, bought up all the other shops in town and they're, they're it. And you can like demonstrate that they are charging more than they need to. And they're like preventing other things from popping up. Then I don't know. I don't think that that's fair. Uh, You know, I I think that if you can do something about that, maybe it's not unjustified to do that. Um, But I think that uh, this is, I guess (coughs) my, you know, the anarcho-capitalist in me coming out a little bit is that I don't think that unless that big company is using the government to squash other competitors, if they're not doing that, they're not going to be able to squash everyone because there are, by the nature of being a giant company, they're not going to be able to do things that a smaller company would be able to do. Yeah. Um, 
So I think that in like a more fair market, I don't think that, uh, I I don't have as much of a problem with government regulation of the economy in some ways that I used to, but I think that it should be as unregulated as possible. And in that unregulated as possible scenario, I don't think a giant oil company is going to be able to squash everyone. You know, I think people are going to be able to find niches. And I think that's a good point because some people, some people take that argument to, to uh, like completely that if it's possible to develop a monopoly, it's impossible for any smaller company to compete. And you can see that that's intuitive, but it's wrong. It's like, there's always something that is, that a, boutique shop that a small you know individual service or whatever it is um, that will be able to offer that a big company won't you're more nimble you're more agile you can change more quickly you mm-hmm. have advantages but what happens is uh, what's happened in this country historically is when they break up monopolies or when or when uh, new entrants to a business are you know it's too difficult for them to get to get entry into the business the government will the government will um, subsidize them. So it's like if you can't sell things as cheap as the big company, the government will give you money so that you can, you know, uh, counteract that and so that you can survive to get big enough into the point where you can actually sustain your business. So we're just going to help you out until you can sustain your business. I don't think that's right. I, I think that what it should do is create conditions that it's a unique challenge. And so that's an opportunity for some smart motherfucker yep. to come up with a with a you know a brilliant workaround. Yeah, I agree. You know that seems ideal to me. That seems that seems the best for like all parties involved. That's that's progress. Yeah, a new solution, a new way of doing it. So, I mean, I think that's kind of the way things were meant to be here back in the Dizay. You know, way back in the day. I would agree. Um, but you know. Goddamn government, man. Corporations, yeah. It's like, it's not much of a difference anymore between the corporations and the government. It's very true. If you think about social media and, you know, just like how, even Elon, like a ton of the stuff that Elon starts gets picked up by the government. Mm. Um, Yeah. So. Yeah, that's crazy. Can you imagine developing some technology, being like an Elon Musk or a Nikola Tesla type guy or whatever, come up with a technology and the government says, that it's a national security. This technology they that you developed, just, it. yeah. Maybe they maybe they pay you, but yeah. but not what it's worth. Yeah, and they just take but you to change the world with it. Yeah, and you, then it makes you wonder how many times that's happened. <laughs> Did they take it because you could change the world with it? It's fucked up, man. Yeah, makes you wonder about. All the balloons and the spaceships <laughs> and shit. You know, is that some is that some Elon Musk technology? Reminds me of that uh, that Paul Stamets um, story, the um, Mushroom Man. Yeah, yeah. He 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 said he was developing some sort of t- technology with mushrooms. I can't remember if it was health related or what it was, but uh, he said there were um, Black Hawk hel- Black Hawk helicopters um, flying over top of his research facility. You know, like military oh, yeah. helicopters. Paul Stamets. He's obviously a very intelligent guy, but I've gotten. So I can't remember specifically the things that he said, but I've gotten some very distinct, like, paranoid vibes from Stamets. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe he's, you know, maybe he's, it's all real, but there have been some things that he said that I was like, I don't know, man, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you could be right, but um, I brought up Tesla uh, because 
one of the documentaries, maybe all of them, that I've seen on Tesla say that he was living in this hotel uh, when he died. I think it was in New York. He was living there for like a long time, and he was broke. He had no money. And um, he had all of his files there. And when he died, the government came in and took all of his files from his hotel room, mm. all of his technology, all of his schematics, all of that shit that he had that were his personal shit. They took it, and it's lost. Nobody has any idea where it is. There's there's some like weird shit about it. Like there was supposed to be so many boxes, and the government has logs of them, but not for the right amount of boxes. Mm. So there are some that are literally lost. Like they were they are not even on the books <coughs> accounted for. And uh, there's a lot of shit, man. I like the Smithsonian. You know, I watch these kind of crazy documentaries about ancient history and about like giant bodies and stuff yes. like that that we had and are just gone now. There's all kinds of shit that gets donated to the Smithsonian or that the Smithsonian scientists will ask to examine and nobody sees those things again. Yep. And the giant bodies, that's one of them. And that's interesting, man. Because they found they found ancient skeletons in, uh, <clears throat> I think in the American Southwest and on the Isle, Isle, uh, island of Malta in different places all over the world. And nobody fucking knows where they are, you know? And, so, and, and there's like detailed records of them when they were discovered, where they were discovered, how, you know, what their size was. <coughs> and I've only heard one scientist try to try to counter that. And what they said was, well, they probably weren't, weren't giants. It's like when you lay out a skeleton on a table, like when you're trying to make, see what bones you have and what bones you're missing and all that, it's like people don't lay those bones out as, as they're supposed to, where the, all the joints are connected exactly where they're yeah. supposed They leave little spaces in between all the bones, so what you end up with is a 12-foot skeleton. But in reality, it's like a 6-foot-tall dude. But I think that's nonsense. I yeah, think, that's, uh, that seems like a stretch. I mean, maybe, yeah, it's going to account for a few inches of extra height maybe, but 12 feet? Like, for, uh, for going from an average height of, I don't know, 5'9", well, I don't know what the average height is, but I imagine it's somewhere in there, 5'10", 5'11". Yep. Um, going from that to tw- that's that's a that's big spaces in between yeah, that sure. fucking sure. you know knee bone and mm-hmm. whatever the fuck knee bones connected to the fem- thigh bone. bone. So that's a uh, that's an interesting conversation. This giant bones stuff because um, because because it ties back to the Nephilim from the from the Bible in the Book of Genesis talking about there being giants in the earth. Yep, and other myths talking about there being giants like the the Norse. You probably know. Uh, the Norse um, creation stories have to do with ice giants, frost giants. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're always um, you know even in uh, ancient Greece with Polyphemus and the you know the uh, Cyclops, giant creatures um, yeah. that they appear in myths and that we have some evidence of actual large skeletons. Goliath, right? Goliath was supposed to be a giant. That kind of shit. Fucking Philistine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think is? If you had to put money on it, what do you think is the biggest thing that could have been hidden in history? Um, I think that would be cycles of civilization, high civilization <coughs> that exist in deep history. That that so like the Graham Hancock thing. The Graham Hancock thing. I I think that there it's possible, and my best guess is Antarctica is where that evidence will be found. Uh, that uh, that we had at some point in history high civilization, maybe not like it is now, maybe maybe very different, you know, technology wise and all that, but that there was a, t- a time in history where human beings were much more advanced, and that all came to a 
to a crash, probably because of some, uh, you know, flood or asteroid impact or something, mm -hmm. uh, climate change, whatever. And, uh, and all the memories of that have been basically wiped away. I think if, if we found, let's say, Antarct let's say Antarctica's ice caps melt and we, we find some advanced buildings, you know, something that looks like, you know, the Minoans or some shit, if we find that in Antarctica and it dates back 50,000 years, I won't be super surprised. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, same question to you. So that is not necessarily... That kind of like fits in with mine, and I think it's that there is some kind of truth that those civilizations probably knew, mm. and that civilizations that we know about probably knew that they are hiding from us, that they are burying, that they are making, they're trivializing, they're, you know, I think that there's some kind of truth that, um, they're deliberately stepping on and keeping from people mm. and steering them away from. So I, and, and not necessarily, it's not necessarily one thing. It's like a body of things, mm. a body of just historical events that they've spun to become something completely different from what they actually were. And I think that there's some kind of thread that goes all the way through history. Well, there's two, there's two things that come to my mind that scientists are so adamant about that, confuses me and the first one is has to do with ancient egypt and it, it's zahi Hawass. i mean in in my in the, in the in my memory it's always been zahi Hawass. it's the idea that uh there are um like there's a chamber underneath the paw of the sphinx and no one's allowed to to excavate it um there's a chamber on in the head of the sphinx no one's allowed no one's allowed to go up there and and zahi Hawass says that it, it doesn't exist there's a, a picture of him crawling into a chamber on the side of the Sphinx that to this to this day he says doesn't exist. And there's a photo of him out, out there. So there's a lot of challenges to the timeline of ancient Egypt. And, uh, and that just seems to be intentionally buried. Like you're not allowed to, to even look. That's weird. The other, the other weird thing is when did human beings come to the new world? Yeah. Because there's so much science that says we've been here a lot longer and up until like 10 years ago mainstream science said Clovis first it was it was these people that came over from Siberia we've got Clovis points to prove um you know that they were the same people uh they're related to these other people from Siberia or whatever and they have this whole tale and then we find evidence of human beings in like Brazil and in, you know, uh, Central America and American Southwest and places where they're, you know, 20,000, 30,000, 50,000 years old. And scientists wants to say um, there's some, you know, that that's not legit. There's something wrong with the tests. This isn't man-made. It's like there's lots of excuses and nobody's it seems to be allowed to take it seriously. And that's fucking weird to me. What does that mean? Yep. That. I, yeah, I, I do think it's there is something like in line with the thing that you think and the thing that I think it's like, I think that there's something connected through that, you know? Um, but there's lots of things that you're not allowed to ask questions about. I talk about them pretty frequently on yeah. this podcast. Yeah. Um, there's just things that if you question anything about these events, people get emotional and you're not allowed to talk about it. You're the bad man. Mm -hmm. um, and 
There are lots of events in history. We'll just go back to a recent one. 9-11. Yep. Lots of things about 9-11 that don't make any fucking sense. If you read the 9-11 commission report and you're like, this is gospel, this is all the truth, it doesn't make sense. There are things about it that are just hazy, uh, motivations, connections that people had, um, a lot of really weird stuff. Mm. Um, And there's stuff like that all throughout history, all the way back. True. True. Um, the Holocaust is another thing that you can't talk about. Um, I don't know. I guess the JFK assassinations you can talk about, but, but yeah, in they its like day, encourage people to talk about yeah, it at this yeah. point. Um, but there is, uh, up until recently, you're right. There was you're allowed to talk about it, but people would make you. It's not the same thing as you know. Yeah, uh, this is another word that apparently you're not supposed to say on YouTube. Mm. Is the H word that you just used a minute oh, ago? Oh shit! Excuse me. Um, so, you know, it's it's annoying that you have to remember all these rules, but um, so I, I don't know. I don't even remember where I was going. Like, there's a, there's an emotionality that people will get to about certain things, and. That's a very sensitive one, you know, um, that like, people get real emotional. But even people who really don't have that much of a connection to it, you yeah. know, like I can understand if um, your great great grandfather was in the camps. I can totally understand uh, you having more of an emotional connection than like my mom, who if you question anything about that, not saying that it didn't happen, but question any of the narrative about it. Mm. Um she gets emotional. It's like, why? Why, you know, I, I know why. Uh, it's because of, like, the Judeo-Christian thing. That's basically it, which I just don't buy into. I think they're completely separate religions at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, I, was, I had another example. Uh, oh, oh and this is not to the same caliber, but Obama. We what about him? We can't criticize Obama. Yeah. It's not acceptable. And I know why. I know why it's not acceptable because he's the first black president. That's why it's not acceptable. But um, he's half black. But nobody, nobody's allowed to. And they, and they weren't allowed to during the campaigns either during the debates. Mm-hmm. Oh I th- yeah, I thought that was very, very strange. You first know? president married to a man too. <laughs> you keep telling me that. Yeah, you keep telling me that. Oh <laughs> uh, boy, well, I don't know. That might not be true. Pro- <sighs> so might have been some surreptitious marriages going on. Uh, I, how many presidents do you think were gay? I heard Abraham Lincoln was. There was only one unmarried president, I thought. Well, just because you're married to a woman doesn't mean you're not gay. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, especially if you are, like, politically ambitious, you have to get married, you know? Yeah. Let's think of the most Let's think of the most well-dressed and handsome presidents. Maybe Millard. JFK, Ma- but he was a known. Philanderer. Peahound. How about Millard Fillmore? That's How about a, that handsome bastard? Yeah. Martin Van Buren. Yeah. I don't even it just he's distinct looking. I don't know that he's handsome really. James Madison's a good looking good looking bloke. I can't put faces to anyone. Me either. No, man. I'm just making I this just, up. I like I picture George Washington and the the, the dude with the big hair. Uh is that Hamilton? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah. The one who's on the 20. Jackson. Ja- Andrew Jackson, that's it. Oh, he does he have does. terrific he's got hair. Good hair. You're dude. right about that. Yeah. And he was a war hero. Yeah, yeah. Man. Probably, probably had a big old hog. A lot of those guys were they were very impressive people. It's true. Yeah, man. We are... We don't have a lot of impressive people anymore. That's very true. Like, especially like that, you know? Like, 
those uh, just think about look at the people that are leading our country now they're not impressive like that no I, i'm not even def- like i think that the founding fathers they did things that i disagree with you know um it's not like i hold them up like a lot of good american patriots you know who mm-hmm. just don't think that the founding fathers did anything wrong um but regardless of whether i agree with them man and i do agree with them on a lot i'm not like trying to be some woke person throwing them under the bus um but just undeniably, you know, like titans. Yeah. I don't know if people need the opportunity to become titans. You know, like I was, I brought up John Rockefeller earlier, and um, I, I watched that show, The Men Who Built America. That first season um, of that was just fucking tremendous. And they talked about John Rockefeller was out in eastern Ohio. Uh, he had a, a small oil company, and um, he was uh, not doing great. And he had a meeting with Carnegie, um, and Carnegie wanted somebody who could fill fill his train carts with oil. And John Rockefeller said that he could, even though he couldn't. He didn't have the capacity. He just took that risk, and then he went out and did what he had to do to fill the train carts. And if he would have failed, um, nobody would remember him. He would be he'd be bankrupt, and nobody would remember him ever. But he took that risk and he succeeded. And why am I why am I telling you this story? Because we were talking about titans and impressive people. Yes, that, that they need to have an opportunity to become that way. And it's like Rockefeller needed to have that opportunity to become that. So yep. maybe maybe we have some pe- people with potential out there that just. Oh, need, I think we do. Yeah, uh, I think that. And this is another thing that like people are like, oh, that's conspiracy theory. Like what evidence can you point to to prove that? And it's hard to point to like concrete evidence other than just look at the way society is right now. And the conspiracy theory is that they're doing this intentionally. They're making everything, they're taking away all of the challenge out of life for everyone. And it just, when you take away that challenge, that hardship, the suffering of life, It makes people not want to become great men and titans. It makes them, you're happy. You've got all of this stuff. You've got the fridges full of food, you know, endless internet porn. Um, it, It makes, you know, it makes people not strive to be better. It makes people not want to have families. It just fucking ruins everything. It takes away the will to live. because Because what it means to live... Is to make choices and to take risks and to and to take action. Is to is to be in the world some sort of force. And if you're sitting on your couch jerking off eating cheese doodles, you're doing nothing. But you feel great. Well, I don't know that you feel great. <laughs> it depends on the person, and it depends on how willing they are to lie to themselves. Um, because some people are just completely content doing that. You know, some people they'll do it and it eats them up. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, but some people, I really do believe that some people are more than content to just exist that way. This is a controversial thing to say at this point, but I wonder if those people, the ones that you just said are comfortable doing nothing, if those people aren't in the same category as those moral criminals we were talking about earlier that pull the trigger when you know when they don't have to or rape you know rape the person when they have the opportunity when they don't have to. I just wonder if that moral crime is some kind of equivalent, that somebody would be completely comfortable to just sit there and do nothing, understanding that they're living off of the... They're a drain. You were, the, I think you talked about this last week. They're a drain, exactly. They're, yeah. they're, they're some, some kind of a leech, some kind of a parasite. Yeah. And some people are perfectly fine with that. 
And some people think, if you can be a leech, why wouldn't you want to be a leech? Yeah. You know, and they'll argue for it. Like, it doesn't make sense not to be a leech. It doesn't make sense not to be a leech. God, yeah. and some part of that argument it makes sense. Makes sense, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I think that some people, you know, there's that that group of people who's completely content. They don't have any negative feelings. They justify it. You know, they, like, make a, a, a somewhat reasonable argument for it. Um and I think that there are people. <clears throat> so it's funny that we were talking about Rockefeller because I don't know if it was him or if it was his descendants, but they're a prime mover in this, like pushing society towards flattening everything out so nobody's inspired to do anything. Yeah. They've they've played a major role in that. Yep. Um, so it's just it's weird that he was the type of person who's like, I'm gonna conquer the world. And then I'm going to make it to where no one else can conquer the world. Yeah, yeah. That's like sinister. It is. It's, you know, the worst part is it's not just about taking the bottom up, but it's about taking the top down. Mm -hmm. And why anybody thinks taking the top down is a good thing I, just completely baffles me. But one of the examples that's been on the news lately is, uh, is um, uh, honors classes. They're removing, schools are removing honors classes. Because it makes the dummies feel bad. Because it makes the dummies look bad. And it's like, so you're going to pretend that there isn't an up here? That's what you're going to do? going to bring everyone down to here and pretend that there isn't an up here, even though fucking people are up there? Yeah. Like you're living in a fantasy land. I think it's, for the people like the Rockefellers and the, and the people, you know, on the school PTA board doing that shit... They are playing God because they are trying to dictate where the bottom is and where the top is, but they are outside of that, you know? Mm -hmm. They already did the honors classes. They're already the movers and shakers in their cities or Rockefeller, in Rockefeller's case, the world. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they think that they're gods. They, they're operating, like, outside of, spa you know, space and time, mm -hmm. you know, the normal people's space and time. They just get to make the decisions for everyone. They know, And we've talked about this before. I can understand on some level why Bill Gates thinks he knows best. Because he's been fucking killing it. He's you been know? fucking killing uh, it. I'm not a fan. I think that he's a very shady person in the way that I think that all of these mega billionaires are shady people. And it's because they think that they get to make decisions for everyone. Mm. Fuck you. I don't care how smart you are. Yep. I don't care if Bill Gates started making decisions for me and my life improved. I don't fucking care. It's not, you're not making decisions for me. It's that, uh, that's that quote, uh, was it Dostoevsky? I don't know. I don't know the quote. Oh, about <laughs> give him cakes and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah absolutely, man. You're, and that's a fundamental human reality, man. You, you can't... If you forget that, you made a mistake. It's like, if you think that you're going to be able to top down standardize whatever you want to standardize across the human population, you have to realize that there are, there are some of us, and maybe a little bit in all of us, that will, will destroy that system just, just because. We will mm -hmm. destroy that system because we don't want a system encroaching on us because every human being feels themselves to be autonomous, you know? Mm -hmm. And and even if you shackle our bodies and even if you control everything you can control, there's some part of us that's unconquerable. And, you know, we, we don't abide. The dude does not abide. The dude does not abide. You know? On that. And the how, how abide, are you going to control that? You're not. I don't know, man. But that's the thing. It's like you said that 
there's something in us that will not abide. But a lot of people do abide. They're happy to abide. A lot of people, yeah. It's weird, man. It's, um... So I think that they're, you know, doing what they can to, like, level out society so that nobody can... Ex- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ex- nobody can stand out. What yeah. a, you know... Um, so I, I don't know, man. It's like, how are they going to pick leadership then in the future? If everybody is the same, how are they going to pick? They're going to pick it from themselves. They're going to, yeah, they're right. They, you know, their kids are still going to honors classes, yeah. you know? Um, do you think that the Ivy league universities are gay? Do you yes. think, do you think that they're going to, like their reputation is going to be damaged? It's already damaged. Like, irreparably from the woke stuff? I think it's already... I think they're done. The I mean, quality of education keeps going down. Mm-hmm. People are getting degrees in nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I think that there are maybe parts of those colleges that are still doing good things, that are still, you know, valuable, but they're, like, wrapped in so much bullshit, you know? It's like, a, I'm trying to think of some kind of a metaphor. It's, like, escaping me, but, you know... It's, really, it's it's scary, man, because if the universities no longer have respect, because right now I don't respect like the government. I think that the government in 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 general and the media, by the way, which is something I didn't used to think I would ever think, but I think both are just constantly in a game of of manipulation with the masses. And I I don't I, a I don't think it's necessary, and b I don't think it's productive. I'm deeply distrustful of the system and. If the universities also become like that, and maybe they already are, it's like the places that we expect to be the pinnacle of like reason and rationality and the thing that's the churning out hope for the future. If those things are corrupted, like what what does that mean, man? What does that mean for the state of this of this society? I think that when society, when we hit the restart button, um, because it, it's coming, I'm convinced of that. Shit's going to get weird. Uh, I think that things are going to be very uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, but that I honestly think that that's good because it's going it's going to be that reset button. Um, the first thing that we need to make sure we don't lose is education. Uh, immediately, you know, that's the if we have some sort of public, you know, uh, collective education for children, we cannot let it be taken over by people who hate the things that we stand for because we're we're done. We lost the battle at this yeah. point. See, what concerns me is that there's so much historical like uh, clout and um, value associated with our institutions, and the Ivy League schools are one of those institutions. That it's going to take a long time. Like once they're failing, it's going to take a long time before people change like before people stop sending their kids there before people stop before employers stop seeing those degrees on resumes and think this is the one I want to hire yeah. it's going to take a while for that to change I think left to natural processes you're right but I don't think we're going to be left to natural processes mm. I think that um things will be accelerated I look at things like um Michael Millerman's school and Jordan and the, the stuff Jordan Peterson's doing and mm-hmm. uh Gadsad and some of those Russell Thaddeus Russell mm-hmm. exactly I see a lot of that stuff and uh you can see the infrastructure starting to get formed of what might be the education wave of the future uh but it's not there right now yeah. you know so I don't know 
if worse comes to worse, we, we at least will have something like that that's available. Um, but I don't know, man. I, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of people signing up right now for... I don't think they have um, predation or anything like that no, either. No. So, yeah. Um, I just don't think... I don't think that's going to count for much eventually, you know? Um, I think that we're headed towards a world, a better... I really do believe this. I think that things are going to be dark. I, I think we're in for in store for, like I said, some uncomfortable things, but I think that the <coughs> end result of that will be a world where that kind of stuff doesn't matter. What you can do, what you can prove, what you can demonstrate to your employer will be the things that matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I, I, I think that that's what's coming. It's pr- it, might be a, it might be a rough road to get there. It might be a long road to get there, but... It's going to be an interesting day because it's going to be, if you have to prove to your employer what you're capable of then how do you avoid a merit-based system because that's you don't. What you don't you can't uh, i i mean i th- i don't think you want to i don't think you want to either yeah. i know you don't yeah I, yeah I, but 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 the, the merit-based system has been sh- shit on for you know a long time everywhere you're gonna find they're gonna find out why it why it's good hopefully they don't find out when our water stops running and our uh, you know and our generators, you know, our, our power system fails. We got a bunch of dummies everywhere, and nobody knows how to fix anything. But yeah, I got a. Uh, I don't know if it's a philosophical question. It's kind of a philosophical question, and I want to ask you to round up this episode. I don't know how much conversation will be involved in this, but um, but maybe a little, maybe a lot. I was talking about nothingness with you. Remember this conversation we had last week? Alan Watts. Yep. And, yeah. I've got I've got the one the episode on Michio Kaku coming out, which I think you should listen to. It's awesome. All right. Um, I have to finish my conclusion. I got to write it, and then I'll be able to record it. But um, I saw an article this morning about something that I read in that Michio Kaku book about uh, the space-time foam and about nothingness, be about the vacuum being something and not nothing. And uh, anyway, um, there was also this documentary that I watched about infinity that blew my mind. So so fucking cool all these mathematicians and physicists talking about infinity and what it means and whether there's like different different infinities and different sizes of infinities mm-hmm. and it's fucking amazing it's like you take the uh the number line and um we know that you know one two three four can go out to infinity but in between right but in yeah. but in between one and two you've got you know you got all these little little you know an infinite number of of fractions and um, and then just all kinds of things like uh, they were pairing up fractions to whole numbers and you can see that they pair up one for one. So one pairs up with one half, two pairs up with whatever, and then it just goes on and on and on and on. So you have two infinite streams of numbers. One of them represents fractions and one of them represents whole numbers. So fractions are smaller than whole numbers. So you have two infinities, but the fraction infinity is smaller than the whole number infinity. What does that mean? Just nonsense. Just just paradoxes. Just uh, I love it. I love it so much. So I'm watching this documentary. And I'm thinking about nothingness, and I had this question. I wrote it down right here. Can there be a little nothing? Can there be a small nothing? Right. There's different sizes of infinities. Can there be different sizes of a nothing? And I have these two models in my head. So I'll, I'll tell you. Um, so you have you have a little nothing surrounded by somethings. And in my mind, I have a picture of an atom. 
So you've got, you know, the nucleus, you've got the protons, the neutrons, and the electrons circling around or whatever. And you've got this empty space in between. And so the empty space makes up, um, it, 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 the empty space within this atom and then the empty space outside of the atom. So you have a little nothing inside of this atom that's contained by the matter, something like that. That's the one image. The, the next image is that nothing is continuous. So the nothing inside the atom is connected to the nothing of space, the vacuum of space. It's all, so in that image, you've got like a, you've got like a, what, how did I describe it? Um, I, I, I didn't do a great job explaining it to myself, but something like um, uh, people will talk about um, the universe expanding and it's like a, it's like a bread that's being baked and all of the raisins in the bread are, are getting further and further apart from one another. That's what the idea of the expansion of space is like. So I'm imagining that expansion of space and the vacuum though um, is all, all of the nothing in the vacuum is connected. So you've got like little raisins. That's the matter that's sprinkled out through the nothing. You got the bread all around it. The bread is the nothing. Yeah. And that nothing is connected. It's the same thing as the nothing in, in, in the space of, of the atom, something like that. So is nothing all connected, I guess is my question. Or is it possible to have a small nothing and a large nothing? What do you think? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's... Uh, I don't really even know what any of that means. Neither, <laughs> you know? man. But... but I, my, just, I will tell you, my instinct is to say that the nothing is connected. Yeah, mine too. But you can have a smaller infinity and a bigger infinity. Can you have a smaller nothing? See, part of this is that nothing and infinity are, in my mind, are very related ideas. So, yeah. so I like to think about everything all at once. Everything taken all at once. Everything taken all at once is simultaneously everything. Because you're taking it all at once. But it's also nothing. Because... It's no particular thing, so how you can't you can't pick anything out of it. So when you take when you consider everything all at once, it's exactly the same thing as nothing. And there's something really mystical about that. And maybe it's just, I just did a little Jordan Peterson thing with my fingers. It's you know, and maybe it's just like a hippy dippy thing to say, and it's a word game like we like we talked about a little bit before. Um, but I do think. Uh, and I use lots of examples, analogies to talk about this. But if you take all of the colors of light and you put them together, you get white light. So you get no color. So all of the colors taken together is no color. That's how it seems to us. Uh, here's another example. Um, a circle is a geometrical shape with an infinite number of sides. So you can take a square and you can make it a polygon and you just keep adding sides to it. And the more and more and more you do that, it becomes more circular. When you have an infinite number of sides, you have no sides at all. So all sides means no sides. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a correspondence between everything and nothing, between infinity and nothingness, something like that. Yeah. Reminds me of that episode of Buck Johnson's show that I sent you uh, with David Patrick Harry where he's talking about, you know, stuff that, you, like you said, you say, you say a lot of the same stuff. Um, about things being like a spectrum, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Hot being the absence of cold, or you know, cold yeah. being the absence of hot, not yeah. the other mm -hmm. way around. Um, and yeah, infinity and nothing being like some kind of spectrum. 
I don't know. Dude, that guy. What's his name again? David Patrick Harry. He's awesome. You should. His podcast is called The Church of the Eternal Logos. Yeah. It's good, man. I definitely got to put that on my list. Um, that dude, like the, the whole argument, not argument, the whole discussion he was having with Buck. I, have, I want to tell you what I think about Buck Johnson, by the way. I don't have very limited uh, exposure is, to him. I, I want to know because I love Buck. He's uh, like the best. Oh, I thought he was incredibly boring during oh, the really? interview. He said almost nothing. He added almost nothing to the conversation. Yeah. I think he was just trying to let David Patrick Harry like disseminate information. Yeah, and it, and I can see that because he's a talker and he and he, he and he's you know. like David Patrick Harry is like uh, you know an encyclopedia of knowledge yeah. and that sort of thing. And, and I could tell that there were some things you should uh, listen to more Buck because Buck is the man. Oh, good. Yeah, I could tell there were some things that that um, Harry dude knew that I don't because he was he's a PhD philo- you know PhD student in philosophy. So when he starts talking about philosophy, it's like he's going deeper than I go. But everything he said, all of the angles, all of the uh, content of what he was saying was so right up my alley that I started to, as I'm watching him, I started to see him as the younger, handsomer version of me. Yeah. And he did look a bit like, he did look a bit like me, yeah, if I'm being honest. Yeah, a similar look, yeah. I, I don't know. I bet you guys are similar in age, I, w- I would assume. I, I Yeah, maybe, but I thought he was a little younger. Maybe a little younger. Yeah, you know, he's probably like in his late 20s. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would, I would love to have a conversation with that guy there were definitely things that he said that reminded me of you um like you never went academically in as far as you would have liked to go you're doing it on your own yep um but when he was talking about you know he did go far in and then he got to a point where it's he's like i believe a bunch of things they're never going to let me be successful in this field like what am i gonna do yep. that just reminded me of you there was some yeah. kind of like uh yeah you know like, I, I want to do this, but I can't do this, yeah. you know? And everything he said about psychedelics and religious experience, I was just like... Yep. What he, the, one of the things that he said that I really loved, and this is like, I think the brilliance of Buck, he, you say he's boring, but I think it's like, he's just like coaxing this good information out of people. And his podcast is a lot like that. He has um, really smart people on, and he just like feeds them like an avenue to like just disseminate all this brilliant information they have. Yeah. Um, but when David Patrick Harry was breaking down the relationship between the Hebrew people and the Greeks and the synthesis of that, mm-hmm. um, I thought that was great. I, was I, I great, basically yeah. knew it all already, but just the way that he like sewed it up and like made it a cohesive story was yep. great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he definitely has like the history part down so he can talk about like philosophical ideas and world events in that same context. It was really, really cool to, to listen to. Yeah. Um, but what if, what I would love to do is to re-listen to that podcast because there was like four points that I would like to talk out with, with Harry. Yeah, I'd like to have a debate. Not a debate. <laughs> yeah. But if I, we could do it in the style that I was yeah, describing yeah. where we could sit down and say, here's where I... I think I'm splitting from you. Let's talk it out. I bet you that conversation would be every bit as interesting to people who are interested in the topic. It'd probably be boring for lots of people, but it would be interesting for people who are who are interested in that in that topic. Every bit as entertaining as a more confrontational so I'm gonna try debate. To, I'm going to try to get you on the crucible, dude. Like I, I, I'm uh, telling you, lots of different guys have different debate styles. It's not always Andrew yeah. like needling, you know, um, and. Uh, you should find one. He's been on there. David Patrick Harry's been on the on crucible. the crucible. Yeah, um, the one that I remember, I think he's been on twice. One he debates uh, Hegelian, um, and the other one he debates. 
a guy on psychedelics. Like, can you get enlightenment from psychedelics? Um, and the one that I watched was not the most interesting. It wasn't contentious. It was just that uh, one thing that a lot of the orthodox guys do in a debate is they try to point out that a lot of these people who are atheist, materialist type people, uh, their beliefs, their they're not grounded on anything. They're not based on anything. If you don't, they, they don't believe in objective truth. So how can anything be based on anything? Um, so it, it was like a lot of that. And it, I don't think it was like the most productive thing I've ever mm. listened to. I didn't even finish it. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can understand. Yeah. But my, my biggest beef with Harry was um, what he said so much stuff that was right on, spot on about mystical experience. And then at the end, he was saying how he doesn't believe it's a true path to enlightenment because it leads people to believe that they're God. And you can imagine, at me, I'm going, you are God. Yes, yeah. that's exactly the right, the right uh, conclusion. And then he, de- he proceeds to defend his position that that's bad by suggesting that, only, that it only creates solipsism. And for people who don't know what that means, it just means... Is, well, Kyle and I had this conversation once before. It's about some, if somebody believes that they're God and says, I am the Lord Almighty, that's solipsism. If somebody says that I believe everyone is God, that's the opposite of solipsism. To say that... I'm not sure that it is. To say that, uh, that it is. I'm not sure that it is. You, you, we would have to talk that out more. Um, you know, do, but you don't... I understand that you were all on board for that, but you don't see any way in which somebody could like think that maybe there's some kind of flaw in that. I think somebody who has experienced it, I think, I think it's possible for people to be solipsistic. I believe that's possible. I believe it's possible for people to become arrogant, full of themselves, to be, uh, you know, to have this grandiose idea of their importance and megalomaniacs exist and all that kind of thing. I, I believe that. I even think somebody could have a mystical experience and misinterpret it in that extreme. But I don't think that's common. And I don't think that is, uh, I think like it's a sick person. It's a sick person who who finds themselves in that situation. It's such a humbling experience. You, you wouldn't you wouldn't you don't you wouldn't agree with the idea that it's a humbling experience to have a psychedelic uh, mystical experience, to be subdued by something greater than yourself, to have to, <clears throat> to not be able to resist, to have to give in to it. Um, it's, I just be, think that people interpret people are going to interpret that experience <coughs> not a you know not. Not everyone who takes a DMT trip is going to get the same thing out of it that you do. I agree. I don't get the same thing out of it, yeah. you know, every time or whatever. And I, you I know, also you know, hold think- on, before I forget this, Harry did say that doing, I don't know if it was DMT, I think it was LSD. He said doing psychedelics at some point stopped working for him. Yeah. And that happened to me. Yeah. So there were so many similarities between me, him and I and that. I would have loved to be able to talk to him about it. I would say that psychedelics stopped working for me too, but it's not like they completely stopped working. You know, like I could take, uh, I'm sure I could take two hits of acid and still have like some kind of visual experience. But the last few times I've done, and I've tried uh, like a handful of times, I didn't, I couldn't have whatever kind of breakthrough meaningful experience that I just like, (laughs) I, I don't know. I, maybe I still do have the capability for it, but it seems like I don't, I don't know. 
Um, no, I agree. Um, I think there's... And I think that that is kind of David Patrick Harry's point, is that... And he would say... I mean, you listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. He was put on the path through psychedelics. Yep. But the end enlightenment that you need is not going to come from the psychedelics, I think is his point. Yeah, I agree. And I agree with that point. Um, I think that a psychedelic experience, a mystical psychedelic experience, is a jumping off place for an interpretive journey. Yeah. And uh, if you, you're not going to get everything from the experience. What you're, going to, what you're going to get is an expansion of your mind, an expansion of possibilities that will make you question things that you never questioned before so that you have to reinterpret all of existence in a, to incorporate a greater reality than you ever believed was possible. And that's going to cause you to have ideas and thoughts that you never would have imagined before and a worldview that you would never would have imagined before. And then you explore, you continue to explore that. And that's what, what gets you to enlightenment. You, you know, it's not all from the psychedelic experience. I agree with that. But I don't think that a mystical psychedelic experience necessarily ends in um, an idea, uh, an over-inflated uh, idea of, of, you know, your own spirit. I don't even, I have a hard time imagining that it's possible at all. I'll grant that it is, but I have a hard time imagining that is possible at all. All right. Interesting, man. Because uh, I, I would like to, uh, you know, tease those ideas out more. Um, but we're running up on time. All right, so shout out to... Uh, I have to pee so fucking bad. To The Crucible and to... Uh, Crucible, David Patrick Harry, Andrew Wilson. I mean, I know... So, man, I can't think of David Patrick Harry's Twitter. But, yeah, it's the Church of the Eternal Logos for him. The Crucible, Andrew Wilson hosts that. His wife... Rachel Wilson is badass too. She's oh, yeah. like super smart. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, who else did we talk about? I don't know. But go to the Church of the Eternal Logos, you guys. Listen, Listen to, that to that guy. That. Listen to that guy for a while and tell me if you think he sounds like me. Oh, real quick. Yeah. Uh, you said that another one of the Orthodox people that I recommended for you was like mean, like yeah. Andrew was. Yeah, who yeah. was it? Oh, we talked about him before. He was. Um, oh boy, I was hoping you would remember. Um, I don't remember recommending you any other Orthodox people. Oh, I can see the only other head. one that I think maybe you would know is Jay Dyer. That's the one. Jay De- oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. You yeah, don't, you Jay don't... Di- Jay's definitely combative, but like, I just don't think that it's bad to be combative when people are being combative with you. And that's like the whole thing that it's like that's what a debate becomes, you know, yeah. on some level. A lot of the time, not all yeah. the time. Um, see, I think a debate. Um, deteriorates into that. I see it as deteriorates into that. And you're like, fucking go. go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? I, I feel like in the beginning, I think having these uh, Chris at Two Tongues pod on Twitter and me, I think that's good. But I do think in the beginning of the broadcast from now on, we need to start telling people. Uh, and if, you're, if you've made it this far, and please like the video on YouTube comment on it all of that stuff drives up engagement and like makes us visible to more people yeah we can so use it please do that yeah i would really appreciate that yeah absolutely uh our last podcast that we did together has our most successful one on youtube it's got 170 some views so oh, that's like way more than all the other yeah ones. i didn't know that. that's pretty good in man. one week dope it's fucking weird man it's just weird how some things take off you know it is yeah i have to say i did an episode um we did an episode on the sacred mushroom and the cross 
just took off. And that was like in the first season, and it's got like way more downloads than anybody else. And people find the podcast through that episode all the time. Do we still have? Because you know, on Podbean, and that it, that kicks it out to everything else. Stuff drops off of there eventually. Mm-hmm. Like our oldest episodes are not on there anymore. Yeah, uh, I feel, feel like maybe if we still have the audio, we should maybe upload that and put it on YouTube. It's a great idea. Yeah, I should do that. Um, yeah, we will. We'll figure it out. Uh, that's a bit. That's a popular one. Yep. All right, Kyle's got to pee. Uh, Church, Church of the so Eternal bad. Logos. Go on there. Listen to that dude. Tell me if you think he sounds like me. I'd like to know. <laughs> All right. See Adios. You, see you guys. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.